Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast where we get to talk to former bachelors about their new books. Today, we have Clayton Eckerd on the pod, who is getting really vulnerable in his new book, 180 Degrees, on mental health, mindfulness, and unlocking self-belief. Thanks so much for coming on the pod, Clayton. It's great to finally virtually meet you. Yeah, you know, I've uh, I've heard some good things uh, about you guys so overall. Aww, uh, talking so with nice like the hear. reviews haven't been terrible. <laughs> no, I, for us. Listen, I definitely have to do my research ahead of time so I don't just go walk into a, a lion's den. And there's only so many lion's dens you can walk into before you're like, I got there's nothing left of me to to walk into another one. Yeah, yeah, so, we're not, we're not like, here. The flesh to has been eaten. Okay, yeah. well, you know what? That's what a lot of people say. So I'll take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, you're like they say that, yeah. and then uh, yeah, you guys. Through. We'll start off easy. Like we'll talk about the book. All right, Clayton. Now the juicy stuff. You're just gonna cut it in midway. So. <laughs> That's fine. It's, okay. Well, this is a bachelor show, so we're going to talk about everything, but we really yeah. want to hear kind of about how you have been processing everything through the book and like and and why the book was an important way for you to to approach that. And so I guess that's our first question. Like what made you want to process your experiences on the show and your whole life even before the show in a memoir? Yeah, uh, for me, it was super therapeutic to write the book. It was essentially a journal. So I, I picked that up on uh, Michelle's season of The Bachelorette talking with Brandon, who was my roommate at the time. And he showed me his journal. And I remember my first thought in my head was, you have a diary? Uh, you know, Because again, like that was like the toxic masculinity in me <laughs> that I was raised around to think like, oh, you have a diary, dude? Like that's not, I don't know any other guy that has this. Like a but little then, lock and key. Yeah, he didn't have the lock and key. If he had that, I might have given him a little bit more trouble. But um, there's this stigma behind it, and so I, I. But I was curious, so I started asking him questions about it, and he said, "Dude, this thing has been incredible for me. Like I write in this whenever I need to, and I'll go back and reflect upon it. And it's just it's it's a great indicator of growth when you can look back six months, a year ago. Uh, and I thought that was a really cool concept to like, capture that moment, uh, whatever it is, like put it in writing. So 
then I just thought I need to get these thoughts out there in my head. They're all jumbled up from the show and everything that I had going on. I thought I just need to structure this. So like focus on taking everything and streamlining it. Um, and that's what I did. So I, I, I wrote the book and uh, it helped just make sense and put things in order and, and also give purpose to everything that I'd went through. So I was like, man, I put this together, this book, and it, and it has, you know, a spine to it. It's not just some mumble, you know, jumbled up things. Like it's got this whole structure. Um, and that was cool to see, but it just kind of helped me yeah, conceptualize everything that I had experienced. And then I was able to say, okay, well, this helped me. So hopefully this will help somebody else. And so it just made sense to put it in a book format. And uh, I'm really proud of it. Like it's probably one of my favorite accomplishments because it just, yeah, it took nine months. So I tell everybody it's my baby. Like I've, I yeah. legitimately took yeah. nine months Honestly, to make it. Yeah. Not, I mean, a book is an incredible it is amount a baby. of work. Yeah. yeah, it is. <laughs> it is like a baby in a lot of ways. Um, and like, at what point in that process did you realize like, oh, this isn't just for me. This is going to be something I need to share with other people. Yeah. So I think as I just started um, first journaling, and I was having conversations with people about the contents of my journal. They, they, you know, people would make comments such as like, "Oh, that's really insightful," or, or oh, "That's like some re- that's really great." You ever thought about writing a book? And um, I had a really great friend who made that comment. Uh, he had a book writing company, so maybe he just the little, the little hustler in him also was like, <laughs> "He's like, I hey. sense an opportunity." Yeah, he's like, "You ever thought about writing a book? I think you'd be great at it, man." But you know, whatever. He's such a great friend, and so I, I thought I, I told him, I said, "Man, nobody wants to listen to my story." Like. I had imposter syndrome. He goes, yeah, everybody does. He's like, that's what we see with every writer. Every writer thinks that their story um, won't be impactful. But he said, if you really pour your genuine heart out into it, it's going to impact somebody else. It might be one person. It might be 500. You might have 10,000. Who knows? He's like, the great thing is, is that it's there forever. Uh, you write the book and it's it can be picked up years later. So um, he sold me on it. I was like, damn it. Damn it. You're good. <laughs> and uh, so then I, yeah, then I just wrote it. And um, as I was writing, I, I, I was writing it for myself uh, to release a lot of those thoughts. But I also then was writing in a manner of, well, how can I, yeah, I mean, right towards the beginning, I thought, okay, who am I trying to target? And I, I wrote it for any, all ages. Um, Bachelor fans, of course, like they'll get the insight as they uh, read, as I take them through the process of like figuring out I was the Bachelor, like the moments before I first stepped into that environment some of the thoughts I was having in like my tensest moments on the show. So there's all of that, but it's also too targeted for like the seventh grader that's struggling, starting to struggle with their body image or their depression, anxiety. Um, and I, and I document my seventh grade experiences. So uh, up to adulthood. So it's, it's really just for like that. I almost say seventh grade up to adulthood, like anybody that is experiences that fear, that anxiety, that stress, depression, it's it's pretty applicable toward toward any of those individuals to pick it up and be able to find something to relate to. Yeah, you definitely touch on a lot in the book. Um, but of course, this is a Bachelor podcast. Mm-hmm. And we kind of want to go back to the beginning of mm-hmm. your of your journey within the franchise. How did you end up on The Bachelorette in the first place? Yeah, so uh, in a nutshell, and I'll say that, and then it will be anything but a nutshell. But I... Uh, <laughs> I was in Columbia, Missouri. I was working a job, been working the same job for about five years, and I was very complacent. I hit my 28th birthday, and I remember like having a quarter-life crisis. I kept telling everybody that I was going through my quarter-life. Um, and because I just felt that there was something missing. I, I wasn't excited about life. I was just going through the motions. So 
I thought I need to change the pace. So I started looking at jobs uh, in Scottsdale, right? Because I have family out here, uh, my two brothers. And so I thought, I'm just going to get move locations. I need a fresh start. Like this, this environment's just not for me anymore. Uh, well, as I was looking for those jobs, um, timing's everything. And I had this recruiter pop up in my DMs. And I remember th- I had like a thousand followers at the time. So I, I thought it was fake. I'm like, who, what? They're like, we want you to be on the Bachelorette. I was like, all right. And you want me to send m- money to a long lost relative to in India while we're at it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, They're like, preferably a money yeah. order. Um, yeah, here's the address. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I was, I'm like, there's no way that this, how did you find me? Um, and they're like hashtags. And I, I remember I did a couple of hashtags when I first made an Instagram, like some fitness hashtags. Cause I've always been passionate about fitness. Oh. But I didn't know what I was doing. I thought hashtags were the thing. And I just was like, hashtag, hashtag, hashtag. <laughs> well, apparently there's some intern somewhere that sits there and just types in fitness hashtags and scrolls Wait, for hours. That's fascinating. That is actually cause, cause hilarious like the show doesn't, they don't want to higher higher they don't want to cast influencers right so often people do go on the show with not that many followers and then you're like well how did they find them and they're scouring yeah. fitness hashtags apparently. that's what that's what one person told me and i guess i don't really know if that's exactly but i it, it's i mean i was like you have to find me somehow because otherwise yeah. there's like that's yeah and so it must have been i mean i know there's like that because it's so funny because i yeah but i they also like saw i had a thousand followers so like he's not trying to be an influencer he just likes fitness and is trying to help out i guess his little community um i just just downloaded instagram maybe four months prior so um i i got it because everybody all my friends got off facebook so i was like i was like how do i snoop i can't snoop anymore <laughs> so I, yeah so I'm, i was like damn it i gotta download instagram now like ah, fine <laughs> and still didn't have twitter didn't have tiktok i was just i just thought okay instagram i have to switch over to this um so yeah, it was it was went from like all of that, and, and I just thought this okay, this person found me, and but then I thought okay, I'll just go through the process, and uh, eventually it'll probably fall off. Like eventually they're they're gonna say ah eh, nah, this dude this dude doesn't have it. He doesn't have the it factor for TV. So, uh, but they just kept coming back, and then uh, the job opportunities fell through, and I had um, with because they were they were not as advertised what they thought they were, and all of a sudden they had an offer in my inbox to be on the show, and I just. I was like, well, uh, I told my company I was going to possibly leave. And now they know I'm potentially going to leave. And the only thing I have left is this bachelorette opportunity. And I thought, why not? I'll just do this. And then I'll figure my life out after uh, I come off the bachelorette. And and then I got asked to be the bachelor. And that was completely not expected. But <laughs> wow. then I thought, I said, okay, well, I said, I just was going on this for just kind of like to see, like, hey, why not? It's a once in a lifetime thing. Uh, I really thought somebody would see it somewhere around the world, they'd watch the show and be like, I like this guy. And so I thought it would cast a wider net to find what I was looking for. Um, that was my intention. Yeah, I think I think that's a pretty common story. Like, I think we've heard from a lot of people. It's kind of like you end up one way or another in the casting process. You're like, eh, yeah. probably won't happen for me. And then- That's how they get you. Yeah. That's how they get you. <laughs> well, I, You're like, why not? Yeah. Let's do this weird thing. And I don't know if maybe they like read the individuals and they go, they don't see this guy seems he doesn't really want it that bad. So maybe he's more authentic as opposed to someone that might have reached out themselves and like, I've always wanted to do this. I want this. I mean, again, I, I think the show probably gets a mix of people that don't want to be influencers, don't want to start drama, but then the ones that are like, yeah, I want to be an influencer. I want to create the drama. They need, they need all characters, yeah, right? Bring yeah, me in and I'll, and I'll mess it up. So I think that <laughs> yeah. they, they they find their, they plug and play, right? They they seem to have, you know, every year they they have the person that's going to be the drama starter. They have 
you know, it seems like they have a, the Virgin in some capacity yeah. every year. So they always pull these roles. And I guess I was the sit there and mind my own business role. <laughs> I mean, it's like a football team, right? Like you you need a variety of different players that yes. you can slot in. Yep. Um, yeah. When you were signing up for the show or like going through this casting process after being approached, at what point did you find out who The Bachelorette was going to be? And did you like have any familiarity with the the possibilities throughout the oh. process? No, I knew uh, th- that it was Michelle for The Bachelorette before I had um, went there. So I... Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. So she was already announced at that point because um, it went quick. I want to say from the time that they reached out to me to the time that I got went on the show was maybe three weeks I mean, it was like, oh, wow. okay. like they were, yes. pr- that was quick. I think maybe it was, a, maybe it was a month. I did. I went through a few round of a few sets of interviews, but um, yeah, they, it was quick. It went very fast. And uh, they said, this is who it is. Um, and I remember looking her up and I was like, oh, she's, she's, she's very pretty. She's a teacher. I was like, my mom's a teacher. I like that. I have a lot of you know soft spot, spot for teachers. Um, and I saw she was a former athlete. And I thought this is, you know, if I'm going to go on the show, it needs to be somebody that I'm interested in. Otherwise what I'm just going to mm-hmm. show up and, and, and just hang out. So like, I was like, the only goal is, goal is if I go here, if I'm actually interested, otherwise I can't fake these emotions. Um, so I saw it. I, I saw her. I was like, yeah, I was like, she's cute. This is somebody I can see myself dating. Um, so yeah, walked in with that. And then uh remember just stepping out the limo for the first time. And I was just taken aback by everything. And I remember it was just like, I got this giant knot in my throat. I'm like, oh my gosh, am I going to even be able to say my name? Because she's standing up there like super confident, right? She had been <laughs> through it one time. Um, and you, it's interesting when you go from contestant to lead and you know, the contestants are just like in the limo, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. And then you have the lead, you're sitting there like, yeah, I've been through this. So I, I know how it feels, but I remember I stepped out and she was standing there so confidently. And I, and I just remember thinking like, all right, don't take too big of a step. Like, don't say something until you're within 25 feet of her. <laughs> like I was just running everything through my head. Uh, wow. it, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to process at one time because you're just overanalyzing everything. Before you stepped out of the limo, did you feel like you had prepared really well and then it was just overwhelming in the moment? Or did you know it was just going to be a really anxiety-inducing experience either way? So I remember I had... um, (laughs) My anxiety hit right at the last second because I was in a limo with like a few other dudes. um, And the first guy to go was Nate. So, you know, (sighs) Nate... Good six six eight Nate, right? Good, yeah. good looking dude. He was the first guy I actually saw walking out of the hotel. So oh I walk God. out of the hotel and oh all of a sudden God. I see him and I and I'm I'm like, yeah, I'm going home night one. If if, <laughs> if that's the type of guy they're bringing in here, I was like, how do I compete with this? This man's a freaking freaking nature. He's a beauty. Um, and so I saw him and I thought this is gonna be quick. And uh, and then I can't remember who else was in the limo with me. It was, but there were, I think uh I think Olu was another one that was in the limo with me, super jacked, like just chiseled man. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, what the, what do you put in your beard, man? Like, yeah, his beard was all <laughs> nice and smooth it's and good, good facial hair. Yeah. He they does. all had good these, they, they, had, they all had these um, nice fits on, like they were all s- tailored. And then I had like my suit, which wasn't tailored whatsoever. Um, <laughs> and I just remember like thinking, all right, like just, you're okay. You're good. You got your little intro line. You're going to say to her, but it was like a, th- maybe a 15 second intro line, 20 second intro line. So I thought, yeah, that's what, that's, that's how everyone's will be. Nate goes out there right away, does a three minute spiel. Like Nate legitimately takes up three minutes and all of a sudden I start panicking. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my God. He, he went for three minutes. Like, well, I can't just cut off at 15. I got to somehow open this thing up. So 
I like, they're like, you're up. And I go out there and I was just like, how long do I do this? Do I stretch it out? So I was already just way in, way in over my head with, with the anxiety thinking like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought we were doing 15, 20 seconds. And Nate just takes the three minutes and. Oh God. Yeah. You're like, I thought we all agreed yeah. here. Yeah. I was like, I what like is you this? were told different things by production <laughs> or you just had different assumptions about what was happening. I just think I had a lot of assumptions. I, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, yeah. uh, I just, I just got out the limo and I was like, I'm going to go have a conversation. And, uh, Cameras are, are all around me. So it's like, I was like, just treat it as a normal, normal, normal day to day interaction and try to block out the cameras. But I couldn't block out the cameras because I'd be talking to Michelle and there's like a camera right behind her and there's a camera to my left and there's a camera <laughs> off in the distance that's got like coming yeah, down. They get so close to you. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It must take a while to to adjust to that, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it, <laughs> it takes about a week and, and, but you'd, you'd think maybe it would take longer. But when you're being filmed and audio's on at 24, Four seven, you start to feel naked without it almost. So I remember when I went home from the bachelorette and I, I got in my car and and I'm like, no one's filming me. Like, what's going on here? Like, Does anybody want to film me? I was like rolling down the windows. I was like, any of you guys want to like just follow me back to my house so I can feel like I, you know, I'm in the same environment I was just, was just in. Um, but it was really odd to to all of a sudden be like, oh, I don't have to. I just everything since then though, I will say, I'm very very. Um, careful with all of my words. Like I just assume every time I speak, I'm on camera because you just don't know who's going to be snagging a video of you or photo or, or uh, audio. Like they're going to pull their phone out, and I've seen people they've they've snuck their phone out mid conversation, and they're like doing this little like upshot thing where they they get the they get the phone down here, and I'm like. I was like, <laughs> like, I know, I know what you're doing. I'm like, do you want to just take a photo? Like, Listen, why do I want to yeah. ask you? I was like, okay, so you don't want to ask me? Instead, you just want to film me awkwardly right here with your phone. You I just, can see I it. You just wanted to lightly stalk me instead. My like, three-year-old yeah. understands when that's what's happening. Like, come on. Like, it's, we know. It's just, it's, I've had some crazy experiences. I had experience at a uh, football game where I had a woman stand in front and film me like this for eight minutes. And I looked what? at her. It was it was from me, like me to two feet away. And I looked at her. I was I was like, "How are you doing?" Trying to make a conversation. She didn't say anything. She just stood there, didn't move anything. I was like, "You enjoying the game?" Nothing. And I and I'm just like, "What is going on here?" And then finally, security came down and grabbed her. But I thought, <laughs> how does somebody not have the wherewithal to to know that that is off? For eight minutes. And I was like, this is even good. And also That's to so like, unsettling. to not treat you as a human being. I think that it, there is this weird entitlement that I think some people feel to anyone with any amount of fame. And like, you're, why not just have a conversation? Right. I just wondered, I'm like, what are you going to do with this film? I was like, if you're going to at least film me, film me on my right side. It's a little bit better than my left. <laughs> but no, I, I, I it, was a, it was a side profile shot. Just watching the game. I'm like, what are you going to do with this film? I don't think I want to know because it's not interesting. But why are you filming eight minutes of it? I haven't even moved. I, could, I, was there, I was sitting there like a stone. I was like, if you know what, if I just sit like this, it'll look like a still image for eight minutes. So maybe, maybe she wants to turn you into like a hologram. Like she's she's capturing all the data for for you to do a performance as a hologram at Coachella in a couple of years. That or she she built a little doll, a voodoo doll. It would make sense. She's got a voodoo doll in her you closet. Never know. Yeah, I was like, that, that's where all my bad luck's coming from. Who, who's got a doll in me somewhere? So it's crazy. It's just crazy. Um there's the, some of these interactions where, yeah, you, you, you're just like, Hey, treat me like a regular person. And I'll get that comment all the time. Like, oh, you're just a regular dude. And I, it's, to me, it's a shock because I, I, to me, I'm like, yeah, I am. 
But yeah. but to hear that, it's it's like there's this disconnect. The second somebody goes on reality TV, some people just p- throw them up on a pedestal and they're like, you're up here now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't relate to you. And and I that, I struggle with that because I, with the book especially, I try to tell people, I'm like, I wasn't on reality TV for 29 years of my life. I was on reality TV for two months. or Well, technically four right. months. But four, four <laughs> months of my 29 years of my life. So don't discredit or think you can't relate to me because of the 28 prior years that also existed where I lived a relatively normal life. Yeah. And that's kind of the point of The Bachelor as a franchise. It's like, these are just regular people finding love, right? Mm -hmm. And then immediately we're like, these aren't regular people. These are celebrities. They're different from (laughs) us fundamentally. Um, And that that can make people really harsh with their feedback because they have these expectations. And you open the book with some of the criticism that you received from the fan base after you were announced as The Bachelor. Things like boring, you know, white mediocrity, et cetera. What was it like for you at the time to be on the receiving end of this onslaught of feedback, which it really seems like no human and certainly no like regular non-celebrity who is unaccustomed to that level of focus is like prepared to endure that. Yeah. It's, it's really challenging when you feel when you see it's, it's the, it's the number of uh, negative interactions that you see uh, the commentary online that just weighs on you. And so uh, I had to, I looked all this stuff. I had to do this deep dive into you know, just the mind. And I found this thing called an illusory truth effect, where the more times somebody says something, the more you, likely you are to believe it. And so there are a few things that were said about me that I, I'm like, this is stupid. Um, you know, people would say, oh, he's, you know, he's ugly. And I, I thought, okay, if I was like, God awfully ugly, um, I probably wouldn't be brought on to be the bachelor. Like, so I, some things I could brush, brush off. I'm like, listen, I'm not sitting here saying that I'm God's gift to earth. I'm not saying I'm some beautiful <laughs> specimen, but like, I can't be ugly. And also I was like, anyways, I was like, ugliness is, is, is uh, subjective. I'm like, you know what? So like that I can brush off. Like you, I, I don't have to be everybody's type. And I, and I could not be attracted to you. That's totally fine. So that, that stuff like that was easy to brush off. I was like, that's fine. You don't have to, I don't have to be your type. Um, but then there were the things that that really stung. Actually, one of the biggest things that stung for me was boring, because there was some truth to that, and 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 how I felt about myself. I wasn't the crazy guy that was going to come running out the limo and strip off my clothes and be like, you know, like, <laughs> going nuts. Like I've always kind of been more reserved, and so I always felt that I was just a very caught, like cautious, get the job done kind of boring dude. So the amount of times I saw boring, that's one of the words that cut the hardest because I somewhat believed it already. And then it's just, yeah. it just the more I saw it, I thought, you are just a boring guy. But then what started to happen was I started devaluing myself. And I don't think boring is necessarily a bad thing. Is, is it bad for, for reality TV? Yeah, sure. Most people <laughs> want drama, so like they don't want that. But I would say to, to date someone who's boring could be a safe thing. Like, you know, you kind of know what you get with that person. You're like, okay, he's going to sit in his house for 10 hours a day on his computer. Like, I, I don't have to worry about him. He's not going out and doing anything wild. He's just yeah. in his room. Like, so it's like dependable. It's the same yeah. thing. But I took that to heart and it really affected me negatively, where I felt super just, yeah, bothered by it because. I wanted to live up to the expectations because I always felt like I never did. And I talk about that in the book, but I always felt that I didn't live up to expectations of others. And I was always trying to prove to people I could be what they said I couldn't be. So then when it became, he's boring, I thought, okay, I guess I have to try really hard to not be boring. Um, And that kind of 
caused me to push myself out of my comfort zone of what I would normally do. And I thought, okay, on the show, like I'll go ahead and do these things that I normally wouldn't do because I, I don't want to be pegged as boring. So like the date where I had to strip down in my underwear and run around downtown LA for eight hours. I was like, I would never do that. And, and But I thought like, I was like, you know what? This is what boring you wouldn't do this, but you know what? Have some fun with it. I didn't think I was going to be standing like a street corner at 9 a.m. in my briefs. And and God. And not to mention the cameras went like two at points, they would go like four blocks down. So it, it was fine when the cameras around me because then everyone's like, oh, this guy's getting filmed for something. But then they went like four blocks down and there wasn't a camera in sight. And you're like, I, now I'm just half naked on the street and alone. Yeah, and like, it's like this yeah. is weird. It's Tuesday at 9 a.m. <laughs> and people are going to work, and I'm just there, I'm standing next to him in my briefs, waiting to cross the crosswalk. And I just remember thinking, I'm like, this is, I, I, I was just inside. I'm like, this is killing me. This is not how I am. Oh, God. And I was panicking, <laughs> but I, again, I was trying to be like the cool guy. I was like, oh, I'm not boring. Look at me. But it was like testing me constantly where I was trying to prove um, and push myself to be like, oh, look, I, I can be fun. Maybe this guy has a little bit more of a personality. I'm glad I stepped outside my comfort zone, but um, I, I, of course, started focusing too much on pleasing others um, and trying to, right. to be the best bachelor whatever that meant, right? And unfortunately, yeah. then I just started being a yes man to everything. We're gonna take a quick break. And when we get back, we will have more with Clayton Eckert. Can you keep up? I like love it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life, and I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and like take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables from article. That lovely chair out on my deck. Article. Our big console. Article. I'm My bed frame. Article. This is an article household. It is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first article piece of furniture recently, our new couch. And my husband and I are both constantly just like, how did we live before this couch? This is such an improvement over what we had before. It's so comfortable. It just seems to get more comfortable every day. I mean, it's the couch you dream of. 
And the reason that we have both been able to find ideal furniture on Article is because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. And their team of designers are all about finding that perfect balance between style, quality, and price because we all want the best of all of those three things united in one piece of furniture, right? Plus, they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and, you know, looks good doing it. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, as they should, because it's very important. If that's you, then make this year the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Wow, that is really fast. Their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning link Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. I personally used Babbel before I headed off to Paris for 3 weeks and it was so helpful just kind of giving me back the basic understanding of French, allowing me to interact with people in restaurants, in shops, and, you know, just not make a total fool of myself when in a foreign country. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back. The thing is that often at the beginning of a season, we just don't know the lead that well. And I remember as the season went on, I felt like we really got to see more of your sense of humor and your personality. Mm -hmm. and stuff we didn't see enough of on Michelle's season. But then you've already received all of this feedback that, like, that wasn't enough and that you need to also be, like, willing to run naked around a city, which, by the way, that is, like, my least favorite kind of one-on-one date on this show or group date when they're like, you're going to be in your underwear in the city. It's fine. <laughs> so have they done that like, multiple times? That wasn't at first? Yeah, well, well once there was... they made on Chris Souls' season, they oh, made God, all of the awful. women ride tractors and bikinis through Los Angeles. That one has oh stuck God. in my head for a long time. Yeah, but that was, you know, that I was felt particularly so bad, bad watching your date where you were stripped down in the city. That looked rough. Well, that's kind of fun. The tractors in LA, that's, that's I mean, almost some some of these producers are like, good night. You guys are, you guys <laughs> are freaking. So, so. <laughs> someone's sitting there, they're just yeah. like, you know, it would be a little, would be stupid, but would be funny as hell. I, I got to commend them for some <laughs> of the things they do. But uh, I actually met Crystals. Um, yeah, I met him uh, a couple weeks ago and uh-huh. I was, I was at Waste Management Open in Scottsdale. He came up to me and uh, I'm like, oh, I was like, dude, I know who you are. He's like, I was like, oh, yeah, really? I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, dude, my mom, you're like one of my mom's favorite bachelors. <laughs> so my mom loves that because I've, I, I've, I get to like, I've met some of the, the, the alum 
Um, and so I met uh, Bob as well. Um, they call him Bachelor Bob. I'm blanking on his last name. Oh, Bob Guinea. Bob yeah, Guinea. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, old school. Yeah. So I met him. He's 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 so nice, so kind. So and so is Chris. So every time I'm like, can I take a picture with you guys to send to my mom? I send to my mom and she's like, That's so cute. Tell him I think he's so, still so attractive. Like, I was like, hey. I was You're like, like, okay, mom. I was like, mom. Down. I said, mom, don't forget about dad, right? We, yeah. <laughs> <Take> <laughs> but it it's, but it, it's cool to see, like, and to meet those individuals. And they seem to be doing really well now. And they, and it's always encouraging because they're like, hey, I went through it, but like, I'm right. very happy now. And you will find your happiness. I've come out the other end. Yeah. And You're in the brotherhood. Yeah, now. Having, and like having space from any experience, I think just gives you gives you the ability to to look at it more clearly. Yeah. Um. And I would imagine that like sorting through that initial feedback must have been very hard. Like I know that for us when we're ta- evaluating like a a bachelor or a bachelorette casting, we try to 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 sort through like to separate our criticism of the show from criticism from of the individual. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine, or at least from what I remember, for at least a segment of the audience, the criticism of your casting, I think, was rooted in a, a larger critique of the franchise and its like long history of sidelining people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that obviously your season of The Bachelorette had a lot of men of color who made it really far and were great characters. Is that something that you thought about during that time or like have thought about in the, in the time since? In the time since, yes, absolutely. Um, because I was wondering where all of this, this anger was coming from and it felt, it felt unfair at first, right? I I can understand the criticism once my season aired and and toward the end with everything that I'd done, I, I, I I could get that right. Like that, that was warranted criticism. Now I think people took it too far to the extremes, but like, I can't get, I couldn't get it. I wouldn't get upset at people for saying, oh, that was boneheaded. He he lacked empathy or whatever. I'm like, yeah, okay. I absolutely screwed up in that situation. And you have every right to be able to, to ca- you know, to cast some type of judgment. Again, I, I don't think you need to say he's a terrible human being that doesn't deserve love. You should go die, kill yourself, all this stuff. Like that was extreme. But you can sit here and certainly say that was really poor decision making on his part. Um, and, and and I had no problem with people saying things like that, but it was just the extremes. Uh, but the problem was is that it just uh yeah, I, I I was aware. I had to then like go back and think or reflect and read these comments and say, which which of these are directed at me and which of these more seem to like are just anger that people are are expressing because they're harboring their own internal anger. And I did think that there, yeah, there was a lash like a um, a lash out at the show. But oftentimes, mm-hmm. because there's you know nobody really knows who like the show is, the components of the show. They, and people want to target their anger. They're like, well, I don't really know who these producers are, so I can't target them because it's a, there's a slew of them. So I'm going to target like the center point. I'm going to, I'm right. gonna, because this is the center point. So I'm going to ex- uh, express my distaste at this individual. So as the lead, you take the heat for, for the show. All of the things that are people are saying that are negative about the show fall on your shoulders. Um, and then, yeah, I, I realized as I started asking people, why, why is there so much anger toward me? They said, well, you know, the final four men on which Michelle season were men of, men of color. And you were chosen as the white guy out of out of all of that. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're angry that uh, there was f- four final four men that were very deserving and they went with you. And what makes you think you're more deserving? I, and I thought, I said, well, I'm not. I didn't say I was more deserving. I just accepted it, the, the role. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was just one of those situations where 
um, accepting it kind of, yeah, placed that on me. And I saw people say, you should have just not taken it. You should have declined it. So one of those guys could have gotten it. And I, and I, and I said, okay, I was like, it's really hard to, t- to tell someone to not accept an opportunity like this if it, if it comes their way. Like, and, and who's to say if I didn't accept, if I would have declined it, it wouldn't have went to somebody else that was white. I mean, it, it's, it's just hard. That's the thing. And, and, You're not in control of who yeah. gets it right. if you like, don't. Right. Exactly. I was not the decision maker. I was just the one that, that signed, signed on the dotted line. So, um, I was aware of that and realized that there was, um, you know, there was that tension involved when it came to, uh, you know, the, the people wanting more diversity and I accepted it, the role and just said, okay, this, this is what comes with it. And I guess I'll just have to weather this. I just didn't realize it was going to be as magnanimous as it was. And people were, you know, like, we hate this guy. We don't want him. And they had all this negativity with no reason. And then the second I gave him a reason, they're like, see, we knew we always hated him. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you, they knew you, you were always going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're like, we knew he was going to do this. He, like, we just knew it was coming. And I'm like, I mean, would a boring bachelor give you so yeah. much drama to discuss? You went the other direction. Know. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing is, yeah. I mean, now you see, and I've set, seen what people have said about this current season. And they're like, there's not as much drama. It's more about the love story. But now you're, seeing everyone ramp up the boring talk uh, with Zach. And and honestly, if I close my, if, if you took the stuff that's being said about him and you jumbled it up with the stuff that was said about me, I wouldn't be able to tell you who's, who's being, what's being said to who. So right. yeah. he's getting all the same comments, even though his season is the direct opposite of mine, essentially. Um, and it just kind of goes to show you can't win. Uh, and that's, that, that kind of helped me learn as I realized, I was like, no matter what you do, um, you're, you're not going to be liked. Like at the, in this day and age, it's, there's something about like, I don't even know who the last like bachelor was. I mean, I I, I just yeah. feel like every I don't I know, know. <laughs> I know Peter was ripped apart. Um, I, I just don't know. I, I who was that? Colton was ripped apart. Um, I guess he did some stuff after the show, but I don't I don't judge. I don't know the guy's full story, so I I, I, I you know withhold judgment. But um, I just think like every bachelor gets hated or or is just not yeah. liked. It's like there's just there's just this common theme. Like you get it's like you're almost yeah. better off not accepting the lead. Like go get knocked out at number 2 or whatever and then just don't come back on the show because you almost get a better I mean Tyler Cam is a perfect example of that. Like oh, he, yeah, he he really he he's it. the real winner. Yeah. yeah Cuz I think I, he knows. He I think he knew like how it worked. If I go back to be the bachelor, like my image will be tarnished. Like they'll be they will find a way to 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 not like me. And so um yeah. you see this where like the the runner ups are the ones that are loved the most because they everyone feels their heartbreak and then the person that becomes a bachelor, they're like, oh, they're not deserving. It should have went to somebody else. So it's interesting now where it's like if you want to be liked, you probably don't want to choose to be the bachelor. Yeah. I think I I personally always go back to Sean Lowe for like the last bachelor mm-hmm. that it felt like was broadly liked by the end of his season. And that was like a very long time ago that was almost a decade ago at this point it seems like at at a certain point we started to feel like is the show setting up bachelors for success anymore like are they are they fueling this problem with the, the decisions they're making around casting but also around like how they're presenting their leads like how they're producing their leads throughout the process And one thing that you write about a lot in the book is the importance of like accountability, not shifting blame, keeping it on Mm -hmm. yourself because you're the person that you can change, which is like very healthy in a lot of ways. But how do you balance that with like having gone through this experience and then seeing like Zach go through it and seeing other people go through it on the show? At what point do you start to say like, 
maybe there's a systemic issue as well that needs to be addressed. I'm not going to say there's not a systemic issue, but I think it's just business. Like uh, mm-hmm. I, I still think uh, Matthew McConaughey, I, I listen to his audio book, Green Lights, love his voice, love his acting. He's just, <laughs> he's just, a, he's just a guy I would love to meet one day. And uh, he, he said in the, in the book, it's not personal, it's business. He was referencing Hollywood. He's like these people that will put, bring you in on a chariot will will drop you off in a you know in, on the side of the street. So he's like, and it's just that's just the way it goes. Like they they have a, they have to make create a show, um, and they, they don't have time to sit around and afterwards. And I mean, people did check in. I don't want to sit here and act like they didn't check in with me afterwards and they just kicked me to the curb. But they got a job to do ultimately. And so, um, does it bode well for people that aren't that don't know themselves and go into that situation kind of mentally? Um, you know, not not their strongest. No, I would say if you don't know yourself, do not go on on reality TV. Like those insecurities will come up, uh, and then if when they come up, it's a matter of whether or not somebody decides to to prod a little bit, or if they protect. So either they'll protect, or they'll say, "Nope, I'm going after that fully." So, um, but that's just that's just what can happen, and you just you just don't know if, uh, what can t- person that's there with you, contestant wise, is going to see that and like this is how I'm going to get my moment to shine. I'm going to call this person out because there's some people that go there just to make that make their career like jump pop off. And so they're like, I'm going to just find any person that I can and sink my teeth into them. I'll be the villain or whatever. So um I just it's it's tough, yeah, to really know what you're getting into until you're there. And I think that's just where a lot of yeah. people that walk into it, I see this on the outside. It's an ignorant comment. Well, you know what you signed up for. I'm like, no, nobody knows what they signed up for. Like, we get it that we're going to be subject subject to criticism, um, but not to like the degree that we get it. Uh, because most of this negativity goes into our DMs, and like previous leads don't show their DMs normally. So uh, we knew that we'd be we'd be called boring and ugly and this that and the other. But like, we didn't know we we're going to get the death threats into our DMs and stuff. And that's why I'm sharing it now because I want other the next lead. That gets it. And oh, by the way, I've talked to leads since they've gotten all those messages, all the same messages. I talked to somebody that said they sent someone home and someone told them to kill themselves because they sent home a contestant, just sent them home. And so that's why I share because I want leads to know, hey, it's this is not, if it seems extreme, just know it is. These people are completely mm-hmm. off for saying this. Know that they hurt people hurt people. Um, but you're getting this. And, and if the reaction doesn't fit the action, know that it's more of a reflection of that individual not you. Yeah. And I also just think that, I I think that people feel, again, this like entitlement to just kind of put that anger out there. And also I think don't realize how hard it is for a public figure who doesn't have like a massive team who is running their social and kind of mediating all of that feedback. Mm -hmm. Like even we will get it on a very small scale and moments where people have been angry about something we said on the podcast. And we have obviously such a smaller platform than you do if you're on reality TV. And even that can feel very overwhelming to like the human nervous system. We're just kind of not, not built for that level of, of feedback. And I think that even if you know that it might happen, I do, I would imagine that being on the receiving end is not exactly an experience that you can, that it's even possible really to prepare for. And so we definitely have a lot of, a lot of empathy for anyone who is kind of on the receiving end of that, yeah. that onslaught. And don't send death threats to Yeah, also to just don't do that. TV. Like, what like, is, what? Like, what's wrong with you? Don't send death threats to anyone. Like, no. don't do that. It's, it's just it's ridiculous crazy and, and that, horrible. And, but some people are just, 
extreme. Uh, I just saw recently, uh, I think it happened to, to Nate in New York, but he got uh, some, uh, I guess he, he said it on his social media, a girl came up to him and slapped him in the face. Yes. Yeah. Ridiculous. That. Like Poor made me so awful. angry when I heard that because I've had people say things to me in person. Um, now the majority of the hate stays online, but I had one person say like, I don't like you. I think you suck. And I just, I just remember thinking like, why just hold withhold that because you don't know who I am fully. Now, thankfully I have a great support system around me. So my brother went off on that girl. Like I, I, <laughs> That's why I love my family and my friends because my friends and family, they know I'm soft-spoken. So they know if someone calls me out, they're like, no, no, no. Clayton's going to be real nice about this. My brother was like, get the out of here. He's like, get, get that dumb ass. And, he, and so he was he was going nuts. And and I, that's why I, I love him. I love my family because I was like, they'll they'll support me and, and be like, no, we're not having that. But, um, but still, it's like the, people feel okay with doing that. And to go up and assault somebody and slap them in the face, I mean, I... Uh, good on, I mean, I guess good on him for just turning the other cheek and not, um, you know, pressing charges, but, uh, it's just so unwarranted and so unnecessary. And but that's literally a crime. Yeah. yeah. No, you it can't is. assault that's people. A, yeah. That is the literal crime. That is violence. That is completely unacceptable behavior. Yeah. Um, God. Yeah. Let's pivot a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah, from, yeah. from the worst of the internet. Right, 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 yeah. Something that I found interesting in the book is that you wrote that, you know, despite the cameras, once you got used to it, you did feel like you could be almost 100% yourself on The Bachelorette, mm -hmm. but then less so on The Bachelor. And I'm wondering what contributed, you think, to that difference, given that you were, at, as you said, you were at least like used to the cameras and used to the process second time around. Yeah. So for me, my initial impression, I think most people would think that uh, once you become the lead, you're in the driver's seat. So when you're a uh, contestant, you're, you're, you're in the path, you're in the passenger seat, you're in the back of the, whatever you're in the back of the car, like, and you're along for the ride. Um, so I thought the second I become the lead, I'm now the one that's, that's in control. I'm driving like I, and, and ultimately um, what the decisions I make, uh, you know, as a contestant, when Michelle wanted to send me home, she'll send me home. Right. So on my side, I thought when I'm ready like to send somebody home, I send them home. But hopefully, uh, if somebody goes home, like it's because we were it was mutual and I wanted to send them home and it wasn't a matter of like, oh, they went home on their own accord. Um, but then that happened a few times on my show season where like girls were just like not feeling it and they left. And uh that'll that'll knock your confidence because all of a sudden you start thinking, man, like am I that boring or am I that just bland with my conversation that someone's just like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and forego, forego this nice experience and just get the hell out of here because I am not interested. So I started to realize that I also had less control because there were 30 women uh, and individuals that I was trying to care for and I was trying to get to know, but but like I didn't know when they were together what they were saying and, and, and what narratives were and conclusions were being drawn. Mm -hmm. And then to come to find out there's, you know, as some of the girls were spreading lies throughout the house to create these narratives that we had a stronger connection than what we did. And then it was making some of the other women feel uncomfortable. And then like at one point, almost, almost all of them left, like we're all having thoughts of leaving. And so I remember just as I, this was brought to me, they're like, this is what's being said. I'm like, that's not true. They're like, well, I almost thought about packing my bags. And then I realized, man, I have not, I have no control. Like I can't, mm -hmm. I'm not able to control this because I can't be in the room. I can't be around for these conversations, um, even be a fly on the wall and be able to understand what's being said. So when things were coming at me, it was like just thrown in my face. Like this is what's being said. And I had like five minutes to react. 
And I'm like, what's the full story? Well, then I go to the other person and they tell me their side and there's they're, they're completely opposite ends of the spectrum. And then I'm like, where is the truth? Because here's your side, here's this side, and the truth is somewhere here. So... Um, or maybe it's over here for all I know. Maybe this person's just <laughs> this person's just a little little demon doing their own little thing. Yeah. <laughs> as I found out, some 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 of the individuals were, but they're all again. I don't think no one's actually an actual demon. That's that's an extreme word. But like, there were some people that were just like, yeah, I'm gonna go totally BS him and make it a lie to him. And then all of a sudden, it popped up on camera. She's like, he totally believed that. I'm like, you you mf her. Like what? You were, you made that was so believable. You're way too good at this. You should try acting. It was that's pretty impressive. Your season um, had some wild drama. Like yeah, it's come it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> well, it was just like constant. Yeah. And that was where yeah. I as someone who is very well, I, I guess I, at this point I really can't say I'm drama free cuz I feel like I've just been anything but that. <laughs> like even the season's ended and I'm just now my dating profile is up online last week and then I had a cheating scandal earlier. I was like, "Can I just do I just, does drama love me? Like, do, do I need to just marry drama? Is that what, <laughs> like, I was like, it, it's just ridiculous how, but that's, yeah, I mean, it just seems like this, the, the season that keeps going, I suppose. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to have a lot more questions for Clayton. Can you keep up? I like loving. Okay. So you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I, I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily, I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, Keto, Vegetarian, something for every diet. Their fresh, never frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like 
vegetable side. It feels well-balanced. I feel full after, and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI50 and use code LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. And we're back. Speaking of the the big drama of mm-hmm. your season, you know, infamously the season, the show ended with you telling all three of your finalists that you had fallen in love with them mm-hmm. and that you had been intimate with two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, in the process of reflecting and writing this book, where do you think things kind of went off the rails with that? And like, how different is what happened with you on the show than what the show says is kind of supposed to happen? Well, I've heard that like previous bachelors have expressed feelings of love for multiple people. Um, and I guess it's happened the last few seasons, whether it's falling in love or in love, but I, I think the previous leads have like all to some degree have done it, um, if I'm not mistaken. So not much there. Um, as far as like what happened in fancy suites, I, I also have heard that many previous leads have uh, went through with that. Um, I think it was just the way that it all unfolded in the way that I reacted to it, where, where I really, people were just, it was, people thought it was distasteful, um, to, to outwardly say, uh, in a group setting. Uh, and in hindsight, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I could have just started off by taking, um, you know, each of the women and, and telling them separately. Uh, I just made the decision in that, in that moment to think, well, if I tell them together, they'll, they can console each other together. So I, I genuinely was just like, that was my thought process is, They'll be there for each other. And then if they want to talk individually, we can step aside. But I just thought I should tell them this together so that they can have somebody else that they're not alone and they're receiving this information by themselves. So I that's I thought that was the right way to go about it. Um, and then that wasn't well received. And the way that I handled before that, my interaction with Susie and, and calling her character out was not well received and people didn't like that. And so it was just everything that I did in response to the actions I took in the fantasy suites, that's where I think people said, yeah, you just, man, you really just goof this up and then tried to move forward with the two women and then went back to chasing after Susie and you just broke up with the girl, them twice, essentially. Um, and you dragged them along and I felt terrible. I did. I felt really bad at that point where I think I went wrong was for me personally, I should have never had fallen for multiple people. Like, I told myself I was never going to do it on the season. Uh, I kept telling the producers, they're like, you feel like you're falling for multiple people? I said, no way in hell. I said, that'll be the worst <laughs> thing that'll ever happen to me if I, if, I gets, if I get to that point. And then I remember I got to Iceland. I'll never forget. I was staying outside an elevator and I looked at my producer and I was like, it, I started laughing like hysterically. He was like, what, what, are, what are you laughing at? And I was like, I'm legitimately in love, I think with three women. And I started just laughing and he was like, why are you laughing? I was like, I'm so fucked. Like, sorry, excuse my French, but I was no, like, I'm so. No, you're allowed you're to allowed. curse. Okay. You're allowed to curse on this podcast. Um, and I and I because it was it wasn't like a joyous laugh. It was a it was a very nervous laugh. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm screwed. Like I'm feeling these feelings, and they're intense for multiple people. Um, and that's when I think I knew I was like, this is not good. Your emotions, like you're way off right now in the way that you're handling this. And then. Um, and then I just started like breaking down in, in ITMs where I was just like, they showed it on camera. I was like, I'm going to hurt somebody. Like I just started crying and they were like, whoa, 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 what's going on? What's going on? And I was just like, I'm going to hurt somebody. Like I just realized I'm way too deep in at this point. 
I just let myself, I was so closed off that I just saw this in the last episode. Of, I just watched the last episode of The Bachelor. I was doing a little recap and um, I saw this with all the women that were left that many of them were like, I am, I don't know if I want to open up because I don't want to hurt myself if I'm, if I'm not the one. So they're like withholding their emotions. But then you, you face that dynamic in the show where you're like, if I withhold and everyone else keeps opening up, eventually they're going to close back off because I'm not reciprocating. So that's what was happening. I was, I was holding off with these women. They were telling me they were falling in love with me, but I was like, I can't tell you back because like, I don't want to fall into this you know, this, this dangerous spot. And so I was withholding, but then I started getting the questions of like, well, how do you feel about me? Do you really actually like me? Cause I've said all these, you know, I've expressed this, but how do you feel? And then I, I realized I was like, you have to stop guarding yourself. You have to let these, like, just let it out how you feel. So I did, I did it once, but then I did it twice. And then I did it a third time. And that third, I was like, you know, the second time I already felt really just bad about it. And then, but then the third time I was like, I have to say it because I still feel this way with this person. So just because I said it and felt now I feel off because I said the second person, I have to say it to the third person because I can't hold back. But how then I'll just have to figure out how I can navigate it once I say that. And it was just like a really and it all happened within two days, three days. So like I couldn't right. make sense of it in time. Okay. Like if I had stepped yeah. away and phoned a friend and like stepped away for a week and went to like the you know, if they'd like give me like a little resort in Iceland and I could have just sat there for a week and <laughs> contemplated, I could have could have came back and been like, like all right, I, I realized I have gratefully screwed up. So let me go ahead and do it. <laughs> but they I always didn't. say like you're in control to the lead, like you're in control. And they, they never let you take a week long retreat to figure out your feelings. So are you yeah. really? Well, okay, think about I think about it this way. You're you're in control, but you're driving a Ferrari going 200 miles an hour. So okay. you're just like you're like, <laughs> yeah. and like, it's yeah. just like you're like technically we will call this control, but it seems pretty inherently out of control. Yeah. It's it's interesting. We talked to Zach recently and he said like the one thing that he would have wanted more time or the one thing he would change about the process is the ability to have space and actually process what was happening. Mm -hmm. And I do wonder if that's kind of part of making great reality TV is just sort of pushing everyone involved to push the gas on that Ferrari and not have time to stop at the red light like, right. and, yeah. and think about what you're doing. thousand percent. If, if I'm driving on a Ferrari and I'm going 20 miles an hour and there's a sharp left turn coming up, I can put my turn signal on, make sure everyone around me is safe before I make my decision to turn. But when you're going 200 miles an hour, you're just like, squirt, squirt, swerve, <laughs> go crashing into a wall. It's like, that's yeah. what happens when you have speed. You don't have time to make a, a safe decision. You're just like, reaction like that's what you're basically like i'm just reacting 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 as you're like turning the wheel and then by the time that you're able to make sense of it you've probably already made seven decisions i mean that's the way i felt like that multiple times where i would go back i'd write in my journal that i had from the show and i would just write all the things that i did in a day and i was like i i still haven't like i need to address the seven decisions i made yesterday but like i'm writing down seven more things i did today and like i so i would still be going back trying to make sense of that from the day before and then it just became a pile up i was just at that point like just scribbling it down so i could look back at it once the show was over but wow. i didn't have time to process yeah you just don't there's so much going on yeah production like has their foot on the gas pedal and they are just as well served by a crash as anything so it's well they know what the fans want and like that's the one thing that i cannot blame them for and yeah. people people say the show, the show, I'm like, it's not the show's fault. Quit blaming the full show. Like they see the metrics and they know what you guys like. So they can see when when the, the ratings spike when there's drama. So there's yeah. this like 
finger point, it's so easy to just blame the show. And like, I wanted to blame the show too for everything at first, but then I realized that I was accepting all of the good that like everything that was good that came from the show. I was like, yeah, that's me. That's me. And mm-hmm. the, second, the second it went bad, I was like, that's production. That's production. <laughs> and so it finally hit me one day. I was like, you can't take credit for the good and not the bad. If, mm-hmm. if the, if the shows did, did good for you, then they did good for you and they did bad for you. But like, you can't just pick and choose how you feel because you're upset because like, yeah, you took credit for some of the stuff that like they helped you out with. Right. Like, and so, yeah, I just think it's so easy to point the finger and say like, oh, it's their fault. But I'm like, guys, you watch the show and you all tune out when the show's not dramatic enough. So, you know yeah, what? You say you don't want drama. Way. You say you don't want drama. It's not the case. You're you're saying you know, what, what you're saying and what you want are two different things. Yeah, that's true. Um, oh. And then and then the show can point back at the audience and be like, "This is what you want." So it's all it's like that meme with the Spider Man's all pointing at each other. Yes, like, yes, it's, yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's just pointing at each other, like you're the problem, and you're the problem, and you're the problem. It's like, yeah, it's true. we're all, all the problem. doing it. We're all the problem. Yeah, we're we all, all the problem. We all play our part. The the contestants, yeah. the leads, the t- show, the fans. It's just this giant drama bubble and it's just like let's all let's all be a part of it and then let's all just pop it at once and watch everyone just fall out and crash out and so it's just a culmination like everybody feeds into it and uh the whole show is wrapped up in emotion and when you wrap up anything in emotion you're gonna get uh, especially very heightened emotion you're you're gonna get a mess yeah yes yeah So here we, we are. Love mess. That's why yeah. we watch yeah. reality. Not all of us. Not all of us. Yeah. You're, like, you're like, I've had enough. I've yeah. had enough. So after <sighs> filming, of course, you did reconnect with Susie, and uh, the two of you were in a relationship for a while, um, which I think surprised a lot of viewers after everything mm-hmm. that you had just gone through on the show. Uh, what do you think made it possible for you two to reconnect? And what did you like learn from going through that? relationship right after the show that maybe would be different than if you had gone through that time single oh well i uh, to speak on that part um i don't know where i would be at if i was if i went through that single um you know i had some really dark moments where i I feel like if i didn't have Susie, i just don't know what where i would have went like the thoughts i was having while i was with her was scary enough i was like without her if i would have felt more isolated and alone and had nobody to turn to I just don't know where I would be. Like, I really don't. Um, and she helped push me through those tough times and just was there for me. Um, and never once, like, you know, not, not, we had our, our our discussions and arguments from time to time, right? Like, uh, I, I say this because it was unfortunate, but there was a camp Susie and a camp Clayton. Like, the the, the way that the the situation played out, people, there was a side that thought I was in the right and she was in the right. And so then it became like, let's like pick a side and i thought susie did a really great job of this but you know we had posted a few times and she's like it's not if your team susie your team clayton and vice versa like we're not doing this right like we're together and so unfortunately what that did though was a lot of the anger towards me then turned to her because people then thought all right fine i don't like clayton and you're enabling him so i'm going to now attack you because I saw people say that online. You're letting Clayton have his cake and eat it too. Ultimately, he didn't learn a single lesson. So uh, then they started targeting her and being like, you're an enabler. You're, you you have no morals. The fact that you, you're you not strong as, at all as a woman because a strong woman wouldn't have went back to a man like that. Like you're just feeble-minded. And I mean, I saw all these things being th- thrown at her all of a sudden. And then she started getting more hate than I was getting, but it was directed yeah. at her about me. 
So then people started firing off on her. And while all of a sudden my anger died down, hers ramps up. And it was really challenging because it, it, it got to a point where it was like, we can't heal together because we've shared each other's pain. And now we're taking the heat for each other's pain. And it's 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 like, if someone's not mad at me, they're mad at you for enabling me or what so they think. And so was, there was just this constant anger and negativity and it just wore us down. I mean, we just couldn't even get out of bed some days. Like I would start my day at 11 a.m. just because I was laying in bed for two hours staring at the ceiling because I didn't want to go out in public because I was afraid someone was going to judge me. The same way that I was getting these negative messages online. I thought everyone that sees me in public is going to look at me and be like, whatever one of those comments was that was typed to me. I was like, that's someone's going to think that in their head as they see me. So I had really bad social anxiety and I just didn't want to go out. I was like, I'll go to the gym. I'll work out early morning before anyone's there. I'll get back home and I'll sit inside for 10 hours. And I did. I'd sit on this couch for 10 hours on my computer because I just felt safe. I was like, nobody can attack me if they can't see me. Um, but that was where it was really tough. And we got to a place where, um, you know, in hindsight, we, we, I don't think we were meant to be each other's person. As we learned more about each other, we couldn't provide each other the love that we were looking for at that time. Um, but it didn't help on top of that, that like we had all that negativity. And, and essentially we felt, you know what, we have to do this separately. Cause like, I can't keep sharing this pain because I'm so destroyed at this point that I, I can't even function. So I just need to like cut ties so that I can cut this, this connection that we have that's tying me into this negativity. Uh, and, and honestly, like it's, it's sad, but like when I, when we broke up and I went to Scottsdale, I felt free. And it just, it really irked me. Like I, I got really, I got angry. I started getting angry at all the people online and I wanted to fire off because I thought, why am I so grateful and feel so free of, after just losing someone that I cared about so much? And I was like, because all of you online that were sending me negative comments were torturing us so much that like, I now feel free. And it's like, I had to break a bond with someone that I cared about and loved so much in order to do that. And it just made me sick to my stomach that I felt that way because I knew I wasn't feeling that way because I was happy to be away from her. I was just so grateful to finally not be the target of the anger. And it just like is a really un a very, very frustrating spot to be in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. First, I just want to say like, we are so sorry that you both had to go through that. And I think that, you know, as people observing from the outside, it was really beautiful to watch the way that you both handled you know, when you were together and also since you have been apart and it's like mm -hmm. very clear that there is a lot of mutual care and and respect mm -hmm. and that that relationship really ended in, in a place of a lot of love and caring about like each other's health and mm -hmm. happiness. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, and also like relationships can be really meaningful in, and important and impactful and also not last forever and like that isn't necessarily you know a, a failure on the part of the two people involved really great point yeah some relationships i think that they're just meant to be temporary they're meant to guide you through a stage of your life to carry you through those moments but not be forever moments and uh that's the way that i see it and um and that's why i'll forever be grateful because i just I, I know that she was meant to be in that season of my life and uh and without her I, it just would have been a different season so uh, it's I, that's why I can't hold any resentment towards her because I find it fascinating that people have such negative um, ex, you know thoughts of their exes. I'm like they 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 like there's just a, such commonplace to have to hate your ex or to to be like oh they suck and 
Uh, but you, I think on the flip side of it, it's like, you got to think you, you dated that for three years, whatever a year, whatever it was, you love this person at some point, they were so great to you. They gave you all these happy moments of your life. So shouldn't you be able to look at them in a positive light for all the good? It's just unfortunate that all of the negative is what weighs on us. The emotional turmoil that somehow just cancels out all the positivity. So I really like that Susie and I, and even now, I mean, Rachel and I are cordial from the show and it's, it's, um, I want people to see that you can have healthy relationships with your exes. And in fact, when you do that, you, you have just an overall better mental state. Cause like, I don't have to wake up and think who's going to fire off at me today. Like, I don't have to worry about like my ex being on the headlines saying some, something that's going to spark controversy. I just, I, I wake up with peace knowing that, you know, Susie's got my back. Rachel's got my back. It seems now. Um, I don't know about Gabby, but like I, I, I think she's just gotten over it. I think Gabby just was, you know, like got over it, and that was that. So, but she hasn't said anything either. So like, it's just I'm like, this is what how it should be, right? We should be able to have healthy relationships. Doesn't always have to be negative. Because um, when you hold on to that negativity, anyways, it just wears on you. Like mm-hmm. it, you have to release it. So um, I'm very grateful for the relationships I do have because, yeah, they're they're there for me, and they've been there for me when I needed it. And it's great to talk to people too that know because they've been through it. I mean, I, I can talk to, reg- to somebody else, but that hasn't went through the experience. But talking to somebody like a Susie, the reason why I find our conversation so valuable is because she knows what I went through and she can relate yeah. to all of it. And I feel less alone when I speak to someone of, like her or previously, because I'm like, you know exactly how I felt. And that's why it's just good to have those people. Yeah, it's almost mm-hmm. like uh, it's, you can have like a friend or a family member support you, but to have someone who is like in the trenches with you, you're mm-hmm. bonded in such a unique way, but it can also become painful in other ways to hold on to that bond that yeah. was forged out right. of this, you know, <laughs> very painful experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You mentioned that you and Rachel have have spoken again. There was like this weird, like you guys made a TikTok together with Michelle, right? And <laughs> it sparked a lot of speculation that you and Rachel were dating. Um, but you're friends again or friendly. Yeah. How long mm-hmm. did it take for you guys to reconnect after the finale? And have you, like, how did that conversation go? It went really well, uh, but we hadn't had a single discussion. Not a word was exchanged. Uh, and- from that point, uh, and it was until, from from AFR until that point that we first met up. So at AFR, the last words that were said on the national television, that was the last conversation we had until we were in this house together a month ago. Um, and I remember like, I had asked, I found out, I was asking who was going to this event. And uh, they said, oh, they, they named off all these guys. And I said, okay. I said, is there any girls going or is it just all dudes that are going? I could just kind of thought it was weird. They like rat, like launched off eight dudes. And I, I was like, oh, like, or is, I said, is so-and-so's girlfriend going? Because a couple of the guys had girlfriends and or, or, or you know, I guess uh, fiancés. And uh, they said, uh, well, yeah, this girl's going. And I said, okay. I said, so who's, who else is going? I just curious. They said, well, if we tell you... <laughs> You might not want to come. And I said, I said, I said, all right, which one of my exes is, is coming? And uh, they were like, oh, well, like Rachel may go. And I said, okay. And they said, is that okay with you? I said, yeah, I got no problem with that. I'm like, is she okay with that? Because it's more about if, if she's okay. It's not, you know, I'm not the person that you have to be concerned about, like having an issue. Um, and they're like, oh, let's look, you know, let's check. And so apparently they checked and they're like, she, they were like, yeah, she said she's cool with it. And uh, 
So I knew going into it at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm not walking into a firestorm. I know that mm-hmm. like, um, cause I wanted to be respectful. If I shoot, i been like, oh, she didn't know you were going. Um, but like now she doesn't want you to come. I'd be like, okay, I'm not coming. So I didn't want there to be any drama, but I found out things like she was willing to have the conversation. And then when we met up, like, um, I just had my little goofy, stupid smile when I came out the airport, I was just like, Hey, what's up? <laughs> I like went for a hug right away. I was just like, I'm a hugger. And, uh, <laughs> She hugged and she's like, oh, how's, how's it going? Like, it's good to see you. And I'm like, okay, like, this is going to be, it's going to be very helpful, constructive conversation. Like, it's going to be good. We're all, we seem to be okay. And, and then, you know, we had a couple drinks and then got into the, the nitty gritty and started really, that helps. Yeah. Started deep diving into some conversations <laughs> and like our minds are being blown left and right. And she's sharing stuff from her side of things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like you went through that. I went through that. And we were just, you know, bonding through that. But I did have to, I have to, I realized I have to be super, super careful with the words I choose. Cause now as of recently, there've been, you know, headlines that have come out that have said Clayton and Rachel talked about getting back together. And, and I, in the video clip that I said that in, it was not, that was not the way I meant it. But then of course the <laughs> uh, headlines come out and they're like, they, tr- they seriously talked about getting back together. I was like, no, that is not what happened. We had briefly brought up like, could you imagine if we got back together type of deal? And it's like, you, and then we're, we both were like, you'd realize like after everything that happened, all of like the dra- trauma that's attached to it, like, there's just no way that this would happen. And it was like a very passing comment. Like we we're just laughing about it. We're like, imagine though, right? because we, as we made the TikTok, we're like, imagine if we did, people would be like, oh my gosh, how are they back together? <laughs> so it was one of those comments. And they were like, we were like, nah, you know, like there's, this, there's, there's no way that could actually happen. Um, and that was it. But then, of course, the headlines are like, Clayton says they seriously consider this. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, you like were so close to closing that deal. You were deep in negotiations. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, exactly. I'm like, they made oh. it seem like that. Like, we were like, we had a we had like, oh, like a moment where it was just like, should we do this? And I'm, and I I just I, again, the reason why I even bring this up is because I uh, I feel like I have to be so cautious. Headlines come out and, you know, someone might read that. And and I wanted to, I'm like, I don't want people to have the wrong assumption and think that like I'm going back that route because again I was like it's just I mean everything you say can be you know dissected and whoever wrote that damn article I was just like <laughs> I get it you're trying to I, did, I, I did I did see those headlines and I didn't even click it I was like there's no way that this is true like I was yeah. like this is just not like I watched the TikTok and my reaction wasn't they're dating my reaction was like Oh, they're all cool. But yeah. most people, fun. most this people is, don't read. This is hilarious. See, that's the thing. Nowadays, people have the attention span of less than a goldfish, uh, from what some studies have shown. <laughs> most people won't even read the articles; they just read the headlines. So oh, yeah. that's what that's what the that's what people that you know are you know that writers they're like, I'm going to put up a headline that's juicy. But then people take the headline like, all right, that's what I believe now. It's like, did you read the that's article? The whole story. Yeah. I mean, as people who write for a living and really want people to read the whole article, um, it's frustrating for us writers. But you also know that you also know that you have, you have to have a hook. Like you guys know yeah. that. You, yeah, you, right. You have to give people a reason to click. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. And then people want to blame the writers and say, "Well, you shouldn't make this clickbait." It's like, but it's my job. Yeah, I don't know. You guys probably have metrics that you have to hit. Right, where you have to get a certain amount of clicks, or maybe you don't. But well, you... now we work for ourselves, so okay. we don't need to deal with that anymore. But yes, certainly some writer, some journalists do have whatever corporate Im- yeah. imperatives, and they don't right. always um, write their own headlines. Um, so right. it's a complex ecosystem. Once again, it's the circle of Spider-Man's. Everyone, <laughs> okay, has I didn't a know pointing at each other. I thought, yeah. I thought writers yeah. wrote their own headlines. Sometimes that... they do, sometimes they don't. Every newsroom is kind of kind of different. Yeah. News, so, they'll, so they'll put a name behind an article, and that person's like, "That's not even my headline." 
I didn't even know that yeah. they would do that. No, they'll, okay, well, they'll that, write yeah. the article and then maybe an editor will write a headline that they See, think will. This yeah. is good information because I've read certain <laughs> yeah. I've read certain articles and I'm, I look at the writer's name. I'm like, you son of a son of a bee. And I was like, you, you, you with your stu- with your write stupid them on your title wall and red marker. <laughs> and, yeah, and meanwhile they're over here like I didn't even write it, man. Come on, like out of like sure, be, sure you didn't write the entire article. They like, no, the headline. I'm like, that makes zero sense. But now I. <laughs> I got your yeah, word, your guys' word it, for take, it. Yeah, take it from, Industry from secret. journalists. All right, cool. Um, so you actually write a, a bit about gossip in your book, and I thought it was really fascinating um, because, you know, your line on gossip is is basically just don't do it. Like, mm-hmm. it's bad. We shouldn't be spreading negative things. We should be making space for positive conversation. So at what point did you realize and how did it feel when you realized that as a professional reality star, your job is like essentially to be gossiped about? Like you're part of that gossip ecosystem now. Was that like something that you had in mind when you went on the show or is that something that hit you later? Yeah, no, I think um, it didn't hit me until later. Uh, I thought that my life would change. I thought I would go on the show and things would happen and then there'd be a Eventually, like my, it would, you know, I'd fall out of the spotlight and I would go back to normal. Like, I legitimately, I guess, was so ignorant enough to think that my life would return to normal and it will. I mean, it's, I've seen myself fall out of the spotlight and I, and I'm not getting, you know, people don't come up to me as much. Um, you know, the opportunities don't come around as much. It's like I'm returning to what normal was beforehand. Um, but then, like, you know, every so often things pop up, like, like, yeah, these, these headlines pop up from time to time. And, uh, I just didn't, like I didn't know how like that at any point things can go viral and and be the center focus and it's like you could be out of the spotlight for two months and then just like you're thrown right up there um, with you know one comment or, or or video taken or whatever it may be. So um, knowing that, I guess yeah, I realized after the fact that I was like you you don't have any more privacy and also um, you know you you're, you're you will always be a topic of a conversation if people choose to they 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 feel like they know you to some degree so they will just they will talk about your dating life you went on a dating show so they're going to talk mm-hmm. about your dating life and and they're going to look ju- look at you for who you, that you end up talking to and speculate on and send you messages and say oh I want you to you guys to have kids soon and they like they want to be inter- involved in all that so I realize in the book I mean. I know when I say don't gossip against you can't you can't make a blanket statement and just be like nobody should gossip because um some people can can gossip it's their way of release and just talking and chatting it up and they don't get overly emotional about it and then they move on and and they're they're like that was fun to just kind of just and I'm not hurting anybody right it's just mm-hmm. it's just we're just talking about it as a group of friends sitting around a table and then we go about our days it's the 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 danger is is what most people is when they take it online and then they let it live online where it's like, it's no longer yeah. within a little personal group. Now you've just projected it out for everybody to see. And guess who sees that? Those comments, the, you know, the, the person that you've, you're talking about. Um, I think that's interesting. I think what you're getting at, we have we have a friend, Kelsey McKinney, who has a podcast called Normal Gossip. Mm-hmm. And she has written a lot about gossip. And her position, which I think is correct, is that like gossip is essentially neutral, which means that it can be used positively or it can be used negatively. And so I think what you're identifying is like, yeah, gossip can be this social connector, this healthy release. It can also, in certain circumstances, be something that's like really toxic Mm -hmm. um, and really harmful. And so it's more about us all kind of like modulating the way that we choose to deploy 
gossip and like being aware of of what the possible impact can be. So I, it comes to mind. Um, obviously, you, I think you alluded to this earlier, but the fact that last year a woman came forward on TikTok and claimed falsely that you had cheated on Susie after meeting her at a bar in New York. You were not in New York. And that was something that went massively viral because it lived on the internet. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you and for Susie to kind of navigate that? It just seemed like a mess. Yeah, it was uh, hard because, I, again, I felt it was very calculated on this person's part. Uh, I didn't put up a story that night, so I was nowhere to be seen. There was nothing publicly that was that was uh, people were aware of my location, right? Like, I hadn't posted anything. Um, and then also, she made it apparent that she was uh, away at a wedding. So the stage was set as far as like everyone that was following along knew that we weren't together. Um, and so then, yeah, then this, this story line comes out and this girl's adamant that it's, you know, this is like, I, I hooked up with him, but you know, he, I have no way of proving that it was him other than like, this is his phone. And she had a grainy photo of a, of a phone with an address. Um, but you can imagine like if, if the roles were reversed and all of a sudden somebody tags me on a post and I go in there and it's a guy saying, I just hooked up with Susie. Um, you know, she, she traveled to visit, visit me. Um, you know, there, there's, there, there's the first act, like your initial response is like, no, that's stupid. But then all of a sudden you're like, but what if it's true? And then you start to get in your head and think like, oh my gosh, like, well, I, like, what do I do now? Like, and how do I approach this? And, and you know, I want to trust this person. But then the girl in this case was so adamant. Like I was in her DMs and I told her, I said, stop this right now. Stop. Like you're about to get the wrath of Bachelor Nation. And she's like, she, I remember she's like, are you threatening me? I was like, no, I'm not. I said, I'm really trying to help you. Like I've <laughs> experienced it. I was like, you don't want that. It's like, they're, yeah. they're going to find out you're lying. And she's like, I'm not lying. And you know this. And I was like, no, I, we both know you're lying. I was like, you know, it's not me. And she was like, well, prove it. And I just remember, I'm like, oh my gosh. So then I found my location services in my phone and then I pr- proved it. And then all of a sudden, like I p- showed that I was like, I could not have been there physically when you said I was like, it's zero, zero percent chance. Right. Unless I could teleport because the, there's no other way. And then sure enough, she got the wrath. <laughs> Bachelor Nation came in hot and people were calling her school and trying to get her kicked out of her school. And I was like, I was like, man, this, and so and at the moment, I, my ego was kind of like, yeah, like take that. <laughs> and I was like, I wonder, like, honestly, I was, fair. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I kind of was, I kind of, cause then I was getting messages. She's like, they're coming after me and they're, they're going to try to get me kicked out. And I was just like sitting that, I could feel in that, in that moment, I was like, man, karma is, is a, is a dish served best piping hot. I was like, this is, this is sweet. So <laughs> instant I'm, I'm karma. instant, instant karma. Yeah. And, um, but then, you know, then it hit me. I was like, okay, wait, this isn't actually cool. Cause now she's facing the, you know, the, the, the hatred and anger and, and she's got to deal with this. And like, it's just not fun. Even if you brought it on yourself, it's nobody should have to go through this. So um, then it went to like, okay, I don't want this to happen. And then Susie being the mature individual she is was like, let's put out a po- real quick post about, we don't want anyone to direct any anger um, at her. And my first mm-hmm. thought, my first commentary was like, no. No, it's like I was like, I want to bury her right now for like what she's done to me. She just tried to ruin my image. And she was like, Clayton, people believe you that you didn't do it, but now her image is in jeopardy. So do you want to ruin her image or like do you maybe she'll like just have her learn a lesson? 
And I was just like, damn it, you're right. I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> so she put it out. We put the little the little post out and then like people didn't go after her and, and that was that. So yeah. um, how do you handle a situation like that with a ton of maturity uh, if you can, but you can't let your emotions get the best of you. And in that case, I went just skyrocket through the ceiling. <laughs> And I've learned a lot since that moment. I was like, you know, I have to be able to take a deep breath and step away and sometimes just let things sit. Like mm-hmm. the second it went out, I was instantly trying to put out the fire, right? Like I was trying, I was like, the longer this sits, the worse it'll get. Um, but I also just had to, I realized I'm like, you, you, I got so wired up as far as, or fired up as far as like what people may like think. And then none of it happened because we shot it dead and it's tracks. And so I, I, it made me realize, I'm like, don't project and make assumptions, just react when they come. Because so often you stress so much about things that don't ever manifest. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I understand that you were very upset in the midst of it, but from the outside, you guys handled it with great so calm well. and maturity. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, well, it was a real case study. And that's why, and that's why though, I, I say this now. At first, I almost felt guilty and I didn't, I, and everyone said they handled it so well. And I said, well, okay, well, then I'm not going to actually tell people that how angry I really was <laughs> because it's, it's interesting. Like you're in this public profile, like you're this public profile uh, individual in the spotlight and people go, oh my gosh, they handle themselves with class. Um, but then I, I realized I was like, you know what? I still want people to know that like I'm not just elegantly walking through these scenarios with like the best head on my shoulders. Like, now I've become more vocal about it. And they're like, you handled it with so much grace and you didn't even lose your cool. I was like, that is not true. <laughs> I, I lost my mind. Like I was yeah. livid. Um, but that's like, I, that's part of it. It's like how like courage is not not being afraid, right? Like handling things maturely is not about not getting really mad. It's about, you know, being able to ride through those feelings without doing something really rash. And so it's great yeah. that you're open about it because you're showing that, yeah, you had the appropriately furious reaction, but you also, you and Susie made choices about how yeah. to handle that. I just don't want the message to come across that um, in order to be you know, mindful, in order to be mentally mature, you have to, or emotionally mature, you have to be able to suppress all those those you know strong right negative emotions that and I, and here's the thing like I'm starting to find out anger isn't always a negative thing like anger is a protective response like if someone punches my brother in the face I'm going to swing back out of anger cuz I'm protecting people that I love so like anger is there to incite your like there can be positives that come from it now now I obviously not encouraging fist fighting but like <laughs> if 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 I, if my life was in, in jeopardy like that anger that, that would well up inside could save my life if I were to fight back or whatever so um you realize that like these emotions you got to let them out like no matter what but you got to be able to control them a little bit where like you can't just like be blind anger and start punching walls right. and taking your anger out on other people um you got to release it, but in a healthy manner. So I'm just trying to, I want people to know that that's like, you have, you don't expect to just never be angry. Like uh, the best things that, that I always got out of, like I talked to therapists as I went to therapy and and they said, you know, I, I tell people that I'm single and they think, well, how are you single? You're a relationship you know, therapist. And it's, they're like, yeah, I, it's, but it helps people relate and understand that even though I know how to do all of this, I still can't sometimes control my emotions. I sometimes my emotions overcome me. And so I have all the rationale in the world and the understanding, but like emotions, like we sometimes can't over, like we just have to let them go. We have to feel them. Mm. So, that's and what. that is part of emotional maturity is accepting that your emotions are not, are not a bad thing mm-hmm. and that you are allowed to have them. Yeah. 
So I love that you're talking about about the emotional suppression. That's something you also write about a good amount in your book. And again, mom of a toddler boy, we spend a lot of time being like, it's okay to feel mad. It's Mm -hmm. not okay to throw the toy at mommy's face, right? Like (laughs) that is how um, we want to try to teach kids not to to suppress their emotions, but also not Mm -hmm. to just go crazy with them. And one of the things you write about is like growing up with toxic masculinity and feeling like the way to handle emotions is to just not feel them, to shove them down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd love to know like what your experience on the show kind of taught you about that way of approaching emotions. Yeah. Something I wrote about in the book, um, that was very, uh, very much came from my childhood and suppression of emotions was uh, not crying uh, in front of uh, other individuals. So I made the point in the book that I said, if you noticed, every time I cried, I cried not in front of the women. I cried when I was by myself with with a camera in a room, but I, I was just looking into a camera and talking. So uh, I was isolated. And um I always was taught growing up, like not just not from my, my, it's not like my dad taught me. This was more like my friends. And they're like, we don't, men don't, real men don't show emotion. Real men um, are able to handle their emotions. And if you got to cry, go cry behind closed doors, but don't ever let somebody see you crying because that's weakness. So I carried that with me and and, and into my life. And on the show, the way that manifested was um, I did all my crying behind closed doors. And then whenever it came time to, break the news and have these tough conversations, I appeared stone cold. And people said that. Mm-hmm. And they said, this guy doesn't even care. He's got zero reaction. He's just blank face staring at them. Uh, like he clearly never cared about them. And it couldn't have been farther from the truth. Uh, I just was, I had suppressed all that. And I knew going into it, I'm like, I had, I forced myself to not get emotional. Um. So yeah, I mean, the show though, it just showed me that it's not, it doesn't, it's not healthy. And like, if that's the way the audience is viewing it, I'm sure the women were viewing it the same way. Like I'm pouring my heart out and crying and he's just staring at me as if like, he's just waiting for me to stop so he can just wrap things up. Um, and so that, that's where it made me realize, like, as I watched it back, I, I saw that and I go, that this doesn't look, this, this doesn't look right. One person's pouring their heart out and the other person's sitting here and just blank faced. But um, so it, that made me realize, yeah, like the show, I, I go, okay, like, you know, you want to, not that you have to match energy, uh, but you certainly want to like read the room and, and be kind of on the same level. And if you're not, then like, you're going to have to understand that somebody may start, um, you know, perceiving your lack of reaction as something else than what it is. So you just have to be cognizant of that. And now I am. Now I understand if I'm in a situation and it's a very emotional situation and I'm not expressing that emotion in return, well, then I just need to make sure that that person knows I'm still emotional. I'm just, you know, I'm not showing it in this way in particular. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Something else that you write about really openly and honestly in the book is your years-long struggle with body dysmorphia disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and and obviously the world of The Bachelor has a pretty narrow view in terms mm-hmm. of its casting of what bodies are kind of considered desirable mm-hmm. or like worthy of being showcased on the show. Mm-hmm. And something that a segment of the Bachelor audience has been advocating for fairly recently is greater body diversity within the franchise. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you would like to see the show take on? Yeah. I mean, I... 
for me, um, you know, I've I've only had, I guess, a couple of girlfriends, but as far as like people that I've spoken to um, have come in all different shapes and sizes. And like, I, I just, I was like, you know, I found that I can connect with so many people on so many different levels, more just so internally on what they express, right? Like I, and that's where I saw, I thought was kind of semi-funny, but um, people from the show, they, they, they said, look at, you know, uh, the, the girls that he's into, like, does this guy even know what is, well, what's his type? And people are like, he doesn't have a type. And I was like, I don't feel like I, I, I walked away from that show being like, I just reassured myself that I was like, I don't really have a type I, um, per se. Like, I mean, as far as like physically, I'm like, you can have so many incredible, beautiful people that physically uh, come in all different shapes and sizes. So uh, I would be totally open to that. And I think like that, why not? I mean, I, I just, the problem is, is that, yeah, when you, when you, when you bring on just one type of person, um, to me, I would think that relatability is, to me, relatability is huge, right? Uh, when I speak on mental health, if I can relate, and the more I can relate to the people I'm speaking to, the more likely I am to connect with them and, and, and make a resounding impact and po- have a positive benefit on them. I feel like this is where the show could really start to cap- recapture an audience if they were able to make it more relatable. Mm-hmm. And I see this I see this from time to time where the extravagant dates are great, but like they need to show also, I would think, more of like some low lower key dates um and more just like normal conversations right uh because i think that people will relate to that like this is oh like i've had this conversation in my real life like this is something i've come across so i i think that that's where they, they could start to incorporate this with with the body positivity with um you know bringing in more people that like the the viewers can watch and go like I, I relate to this. It just because that what that does it just draws them in more. Then they're going to get even more emotionally invested because they may see themselves in that per, that contestant. They might be like that contestant is so much like me. Um, and maybe this is where there's a disconnect. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. But where right now people view the the people that come on like I can't relate to this person. Like and how can this? And I I would get this. People would say this guy's never struggled. Look at him. He's 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 tall. He was a former athlete. He's the bachelor. Like I can't relate to this guy at all until I open up and I share my story and I show them my pictures in seventh grade. And they're like, "You you were bullied? What? You were friend zoned by all these girls?" And I'm like, "Yes." Like I see outwardly you can't relate to me, but there's so much more internal where we have all these connections. And so, but I saw that with the audience where people just said, "I can't relate to this person," and so. You know, when you when you don't relate to them, you don't care to really get to know them. So, I think they could benefit from that. Yeah, and I don't know. Yeah, right, we'll see where see where that goes. I think you're right. It's it's a component of a whole issue they have. Like, it's also even just down to the conversations they show. That's like none of us sit around and are like, well, here's what I'm looking for in a in a partner, and I really see that in you, and that's why I'm giving you a rose. And that's most of the conversation that we see. So. We're not seeing enough of who contestants really are, and we're seeing such a narrow slice of people represented. Um, so I think that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Um, you touched on this also here with the extravagant dates and like the setting of the show is so lavish. And in the book, you talk about the jarring contrast between show life and real life and mm-hmm. just like the dopamine crash, as you mm-hmm. would put it in the book, that followed filming. How did you adjust to that? And how did you, like, I guess, tease apart the emotional come down from the dopamine crash and the emotional come down of having just gone through something also very difficult and painful? Like, you're like, oh, that thing that just ended was both very lavish and over the top and also very painful and difficult. 
Yeah, I think it was just so overwhelming. It's why I couldn't be myself. Um, and why, you know, everyone around me, I kept telling them, hey, just please don't judge my character right now for who you see me as. Like, just know that this is not me. This is the broken down version of me. Um, like I, I gotta get to a back to a place of self-love, but I and self-confidence, and I just don't have it right now. And so uh it, it I felt like coming off the show, I was uh, I was a shell of who I, I, you know, used to be, but I realized that I, I was actually going to be built back stronger. I was just in this, like this very low point. Um, and so I woke up a lot of days feeling just disconnected from myself, disconnected from the world around me. And I, and I just wondered when I was going to wake up and make, and have that turn, that epiphany hit that turning point. Um, because I knew it was going to come, but it was just really tough when all of that was stripped right away. And, you know, all the fancy stuff and everything fades and and the next, you know, it's the next man up, new bachelor. And then, you know, I have a breakup that I'm going through at the same time. And it was just like, when it rains, it pours. It was just like one thing after the next, after the next. And, you know, I'm getting hit, 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 and then, you know, hit the ground and you're just like, okay, like I have to get back up. Um, But like, I'm, you know, how long do I lay down here on the ground and just, just lit, like take a deep breath? Because like, I was afraid at points if I stood back up, am I going to get hit again? Like I, I was like, maybe I should just like lay, stay down for a second and, and, and feel this pain. And um, it was hard. Yeah. Cause I felt every emotion and, and I just told myself that um, I have to feel all this so that I can uh, end up like letting it go. Um, but if I try to just distract myself, then eventually like I'll just push it off until a later point to have to address it. So I just took the tactic of let me just try to address it all at once and have my darkest days um, be back to back to back mm. and and do it in that way. Because I thought, um, you know, if I face the storm head on and I run into it, uh, then I'll be out, out of the storm faster. So I heard some like bison or buffalo or whatever. They, they like they run into the storm because they know if they run into it, the storm's coming this way. They run this way that like, they'll get out of the storm faster. Whereas like, apparently cows run away from it. So like, then they get, they're in the storm for longer. So, um, that's the way I took that same approach. Like I saw that video and I was like, I'm going to run into it and it's going to get very dark very quickly. And you're going to hit have all this stuff hitting you at once, but then like, you'll be on the, on, on, on the bright side a lot quicker. So that was a tactic I took. And I just said, okay, like, Things are going to suck for the next couple of months as you, you know, navigate through the storm. But, um, but I'm glad I did because I, I think if I didn't do that approach and I ran the other direction, I'd still be fighting all the things that yeah. I've yeah. been able to get over. And still be in that cycle of like chasing mm-hmm. the dopamine high and then right. crashing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. The, o- the only way is through. I mean, that mm-hmm. is just, it's just so true. Do you feel like you've kind of reached that happy medium? now where you obviously still have this heightened profile and some opportunities that you wouldn't have had before the show, but also that you've kind of acclimated back to like some amount of normalization. Oh, I feel great now. I mean, it's like, it is so cool where I'm at today. Like I have like more self-confidence by the day and um, I'm, I'm seeing some really, really cool things come from it. My body dysmorphia um, is yeah, on the, I've, I put 10 pounds on since I've come out to Scottsdale because I've been having too much fun. Um, but like, I'm not as upset about it. Like my body, I'm kind of almost like just enjoying being in this environment and having fun. And like, I don't have such a negative viewpoint on my body because I am loving who I am and who I've become and like what I've been able to build. And so now, because I have more confidence and self-belief, I'm, I'm finding that like my body image you know, issues are starting to subside. And I'm just like, 
yeah, I got a little pudge now in my stomach. I was like, so be it. Like it does. I, I feel good. I'm having fun. Like life's good. You know, I'm enjoying it. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's been really cool, um, to like, to get to that place and to see that, you know, being able to come to that. Uh, and I feel like I'm able to now handle it. I still like to have the crazy extravagant things, but I know when I go into them, they're temporary and I just don't overdo it. I'm like, okay, it's been a couple of weeks. Let's go do something crazy, you know, and it's, instead of like chasing it every single week. So that balance, but then the other two, three weeks, I might sit inside for a weekend and eat pizza and turn on a movie and that's it. That's my night. So it's, that sounds great. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's great. Frankly, I think that sounds wonderful. It's incredible. So it's the balance. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like ju- jumping out of planes and then, you know, like, and then sitting and watching TV or going to a reality TV show and then locking yourself in a room for 12 hours. You know, it's like, it's, it's just to keep this, keep the scale it's steady. About balance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, so to wrap up, uh, we just wanted to ask you what you hope readers take away from your book. Like, what is the big, the big message that you want people to take away? I just want people to, um, well, again, like whatever they get out of it is what they get out of it. But what I want them to hopefully acquire is hope from the book through reading it, um, that they can see my story and go, okay, like I'm probably never going to live that life and go through what he went through, but I'm going through my own battles and, and they're, they're no less significant. Um, but if he got through it and then maybe I can as well. And so I do think that I have some extreme scenarios that, that, that people obviously know that I went through, but I hope that they can see my happiness and I'm not a finished product. I mean, I still struggle. I mean, I wake up and have my days, but, uh, I want people to step away and read it and go, cool. Like, you know, this, he's equipped me with some tools, some questions to ask some things that have helped him. Uh, now I can take this and start implementing them into my own life to start establishing this self-belief. Um, cause I believe if everyone just had that self-love, that self-belief, that confidence, uh, you know, so much of, uh, so many of us would go about our days just genuinely happy. And I think a lot of us with comparison culture and uh, the social media and likes, we're all chasing external validation. Um, and it's a beast. Social media is a beast. And I think if we were able to just love ourselves and post for what we want to post about, not post for others and just live our lives authentically, we're, we'd be happier for it. And that's what I'm doing now. And like, I'm happier because I'm not posting for, I'm not for anyone else. I'm not taking actions for anybody else. I'm just living my life. And I'm like, if you don't like me, that's fine. Like I, then there's no harm, no foul. Like that doesn't make you a bad person. Like, but this is just me. So take me for what I am hundred percent of me or don't take me at all. So um, hopefully people can see that where I am today and they can start to get on that journey for themselves. Well, we love that. And we are so grateful to you for taking the time to, to chat with us. I know we took up a bunch of your time, but this That's was, okay. this was a really fun conversation. Um, yeah. and we're so glad to hear that you're doing well. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. It was awesome talking to you. And I'm sure we'll cross paths down the road. Yeah, I hope yes. so. And congrats again on your book. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys. Everyone go go check out the book. Yeah. Yeah. Just go click on the profile and the bot my bio on Instagram. It's all all there for you. Thanks, guys. Well, that was really, really nice conversation, Claire. It was great to talk to Clayton. We had never gotten to chat with him. So that was that was very interesting yeah. and a treat. If you wait long enough, hopefully every bachelor read will write a book and finally come have a conversation with us. Worth the wait. And you can check out Clayton's book. It's called 180 Degrees on Mental Health, Mindfulness, and Unlocking Self-Belief for more. And on that note, that is it for this bonus episode of Love to See It. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Eva Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Talon Stradley. 
Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like the show, please follow us, rate us five stars, leave a review, tell all your friends about our show, write a book about how amazing our show is. All of these things help us grow the show, help people find us. And if you want to get in touch, you can always email us at clarendemmapod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and TikTok at love to see it pod and Instagram at clarendemmapod. And you can find our newsletter, Rich Text, on Substack at clarendemma.substack.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Emma Lady Rose. And I'm at Claire E. Fallon. We'll be back next week. Stitcher. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.